Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing it is to be alive in this moment. To be alive in this moment of what's happening in the world, but to see another Christmas. Amen. I'm going to tell you, let's be real. We've lost some people that we're not going to see at Christmas this year. Some people that we love dearly. That's why it makes it difficult. And I don't mean to go doom and gloom on you, but this is fact. More people attempt suicide in the month of December than any other month of the year. Because for all those that it's a joyous time, there are those that it's the most depressing time. So we need to be conscious of that. Be there for people that have lost people that they love. and Let them know we're praying for them and that we love them. And let me just say this to you. If you know somebody that's alone and you don't know if they're having Christmas with anyone and that comes to your mind, make a point to ask them, hey, you doing anything for Christmas? Maybe you might want to come over and be with us. It would be a blessing to them. So be conscious of that. Amen. Well, I want want to preach to you this morning because this will be my last service before Christmas. Next week it will be after Christmas. So I want, to, I want to preach a Christmas message today, but I want to preach a message that I've never preached before, and I want to show you some things that I've never seen before. I love that about the Bible. Amen. Don't you love that you can read the Bible your entire life, read certain scriptures 10, 20, 30 times, and read them again and see something you've never seen? Not adding or taking away from the Word, just revelation comes. Oh, my goodness, never saw that before. And it just... It's just amazing. There's no other book in the world that's ever been able to do that. Amen. And not only that, sometimes you can read the same thing the same time, and it means something different than when you were 20 than when you were 50. It just ministers to you in a different way. Somebody say, I thank God for the Word. Let me tell you something about Christmas, and I've told you this a hundred times. Make this 101. It is so much more than the manger scene. It's so much more. Christmas is so much bigger than angels and shepherds and main and the manger and no room in the inn. It is, it is absolutely mind-blowing the things that led up to that day and the things that happened on that day. So many people, and it, dare I say, beings were involved. Because how many of those angels are not people? But angels were heavily involved in this moment. Demons were heavily involved in this moment. Demons were trying their best to kill Mary, to kill Jesus, to stop it all. Church, are you alive? So many people and beings were involved in the moment, in the moment and the moments that led up and after. Generations leading up to that moment. Prophecies that were given by some of the greatest prophets in the history of the, of the Israelite people spoke of this moment. Hundreds and hundreds of years. This moment was the prophecy that was in the Garden of Eden 4,000 years earlier. When you take biblical chronological order, 4,000 years earlier in that garden is when, the, when God spoke to the serpent and said there's a seed coming of the woman. It was this moment. It was Christmas. That's why I told you last week, don't let them take Christmas from us. You take Christmas from us, you take it all from us. 
Because there, no, there is no resurrection without the death, and there is no death without the life, and there is no life without Christmas. Are you hearing me, church? Case in point of people and beings that were involved outside of Mary and Joseph and, and, uh, and I started to say the wise men, but they come along two years later. You need to know that, okay? And by the way, there was not just three of them, okay? They didn't travel by themselves. These were very rich people. They had entourages of people. And the reason there's only three is because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've just always had three. I'm not saying it's wrong or it's a sin to have them in your manger scene. We have them in our manger scene. And I'm also saying it's not a wrong to have, to have three wise women because that's what we had last week. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not. We had three wise women. And the reason we had three wise women is not because we didn't want to have three wise men. It's because we only had one man that was willing to be in the drama. And we couldn't have a woman, Joseph. I'll draw the line there, okay? But one of my favorite people in the scriptures, and I believe in a pivotal, pivotal person in this story, is none other than one of the wildest people that's ever lived, John the Baptist. John the Baptist played a huge part we know he played a huge part in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. But he played a huge part in Christmas. Mm, what? John the Baptist ain't in the manger scene. That ain't what I'm saying. Y'all ready? Here we go. It's 11.06. Start your timers now. Most people tell his story about when he baptized Jesus. But his story is so much bigger than that. Just like Christmas is so much bigger than the nativity scene, John the Baptist's story is so much bigger than the reason he's called John the Baptist. Before he was ever called John the Baptist, and he's only called John the Baptist, not because he started the Baptist church, but because he began his more wide ministry baptizing people in the River Jordan. So he just by default was called John the Baptist. And that's a modern slang of John the Baptizer. Are you hearing me? That's to separate, honestly, quite frankly, in the early church from knowing who John the Baptist was versus John the Beloved. Two very famous Johns in Scripture, not the same. But he played a huge role, not only in the ministry of Jesus, but he, made a huge, he played a huge role in the birth of Jesus, or the announcement of Jesus, and the plan of the birth of Christ. This is what was said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, from the prophet Isaiah. He didn't just prophesy of the Messiah, he also prophesied of John. This is what he said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This was the proclamation and the message that John would be called to preach. He would be known in, in theological terms as the forerunner of Christ. 
No one knew that his name would be John. God knew that his name would be John. But until John was birthed in his mother, he was, he, was a, he was a man that all Jewish people knew was coming. Are y'all hearing me? Not just that they knew that the Messiah was coming. They knew this forerunner man was coming before the Messiah. So in, in all the people that were looking for the Messiah, the number one sign that they were looking for to see the Messiah was the forerunner. Are y'all hearing me? Not the Messiah. They wanted to see the Messiah, but they knew that the, the, one of the biggest evidences that the Messiah was who he was was that you would see a man fulfill the prophecies of the forerunner. Am I preaching good already? See, a few hundred years later, after Isaiah, there was a prophet named Malachi. It's, just, it's not Malachi. It's Malachi. And it's the last book in your Old Testament. Now, from Genesis to, to Malachi, you have all the Old Testament books. They are not in chronological order. Some of them are, but most of them are not in chronological order, basically in the time that they happen. But it's always unique to me that in the infinite wisdom of God and those that put the 66 books together, mainly those that translated into the King James, uh, that was mandated to put in that, that they saw fit and under un un the inspiration of the Lord to put Malachi the last book. Because chronologically, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament that was written. Malachi was the last prophet that would write or speak in the Old Testament. The oldest book, by the way, in the whole Bible, in case for trivia, if you ever get this on Bible trivia, is the book of Job. The book of Job was the first book that was written. So why wasn't Genesis the first book? Go home and think about your question. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. But listen to what Malachi said. In chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant. Are y'all hearing me? In whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So we know this is a prophecy of the Messiah that will go walk into the temple and declare himself to be the Messiah. But before that moment, I will send a messenger or a preacher who will prepare the way before me. Notice that me is capitalized. That's significant. I'm going to send before, you know the scripture, I preach about it all the time because it's one of the most profound moments that ever happened in the history of humanity when the son of Joseph, Jesus, son of Joseph, the carpenter's boy, walked into the temple on a just any, what they thought was just any regular day, but it wasn't just any regular day, it was the appointed time, walks in and finds, is it not key, the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, lays it down, opens it up, and reads the messianic, one of the messianic prophecies of the prophet Isaiah, the, uh, the the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to open blinded eyes to set the captive free are y'all hearing me and then he closed the scroll and he sat down in Elijah's chair declaring himself he said this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears but what he knew what the people on that platform knew and what the people of Jerusalem knew long before 
Jesus ever took that seat. Long before Jesus ever opened up that scroll of Isaiah, there was a man who was ruffling feathers all over Jerusalem, screaming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Screaming out and baptizing people. He was hated among the elite, hated among the religious elite because he was calling out their sin. At that time, he had a massive following. Before, before anybody even knew who Jesus was, John the Baptist had one of the biggest followings anyone in, in, in recorded history ever had. It is believed that tens of thousands of people considered them to be converts and had repented of their sins from the preaching of John the Baptist. When he would walk down in the River Jordan, it is, it is said in many uh, historical writings that the entire bank shores and mountains, just like what Jesus would preach, would be filled with people listening to the words of a raving what they thought madman. He looked pretty wild because the Bible said he's, before he began his ministry, he spent years living by himself in the desert eating locusts and wild honey. That big old bushy beard, clothed in camel's skin. Come on, he had camel's hair. He looked pretty rough. He didn't look like no slick hair, shiny shoe preacher of today. Most of, I tell you what, Bob, Bob, if John the Baptist was to walk in here the way he was back then, most of us would call the cops. In the local church. You know that brother's breath had to be stinking. Huh? You can't baptize somebody from across the room. They got to get close to you. They stand there right there. He's like, ah, you do you repent of your sins. Getting hit by locust legs. What was that? Look at it. It's, a, it's an eyeball. He's rough, y'all. Listen, one of the last things the Old Testament speaks of, I've mentioned this before. If you know this is your last thing you're going to say before you die, if the doctor comes in and says you got one hour to live, call your family in here, in one hour you're going to be gone, you ain't going to be talking about the, the college football playoffs. I'm sorry, I don't care how big a fan you are. You ain't going to be talking about politics. You ain't going to be talking about who's in the White House. You're going to be saying the things to your kids that you want your kids to know when you are gone. So God knew Malachi was the last time anybody in the Old Testament would write. So he made sure to talk about some pretty important things. He talked about John the Baptist. He talked about the Messiah. By the way, he also talked about tithes and offerings. But one of the last things that God moves on his last prophet that would write and speak to the people was speaking about John the Baptist being the sign. That the next prophet that would speak after Malachi would be the messenger. Are y'all with me, church? In other words, listen to me. We look at Malachi as the last Old Testament prophet. But when you study Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, you find the book of Hebrews tells us the testament begins at the death of the testator. So the New Testament's going to blow your mind. You ain't going to know how to process this, some of y'all. The New Testament did not begin until Jesus was on the cross, cried out, it is finished, bowed his head and died. So everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that you read that Jesus said and Jesus did up until that moment was in the Old Testament. 
Every single thing he did until his death was in the Old Testament. Because the New Testament didn't begin until his death. That's why he never spoke against the law. He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He tried to let them understand how they had twisted the law. So that means that the true last Old Testament prophet was John the Baptist. If you really want to get technical, it was Jesus. Jesus is the only one that prophesied in both covenants. But Jesus is Jesus. I'm talking about people that ain't Jesus. John the Baptist was preaching a message ahead of his time. He was preaching a message that most people in Israel never heard preach. The doctrine of repentance. Because in the Old Testament, it was ritualistic things you had to do. And you've done those ritualistic things and then you counted on the priest to do your repenting. But John the Baptist, uh uh-huh said things like this, there's one coming after me whose shoes, sandals, I'm not even worthy to bow down and unloose. I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he shall baptize you in Holy Ghost and fire. God, how did he know that? He's in the old covenant. How did he know that? He didn't have any other scrolls to read than anybody else had to read. How did he know that this Messiah was going to do something that had never been done before? Because up to that point, the prophets were the only ones that were ever endued with power from God. But here he is in the River Jordan in the Old Testament preaching about a Messiah that was going to give you the same access that he had. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. How did he know that? How did he know that? I'm glad you asked. And it's only 11, 18. I'm feeling real good about myself right now. 4,000 years after the prophecy of the garden, 800 years after Isaiah's prophecy of the virgin birth, between four to 600 years after the prophecy of Malachi, here we are. Oh, this blows my mind because this is what I was saying about if you knew you were, you, you were going to die within an hour, you'd say what you had to say. Here's why I'm saying this because it is an absolute historical and theological fact that when Malachi put his pen down or everyone, however he, he wrote on that scroll and laid it down and finished his letter, no one, I want you to hear this, no one, according to all historians, ever prophesied again until John. No one ever heard the Lord speak between four to six hundred. Depends on who you look at. Most people are around six hundred years. Six hundred years. There was a span that no one, there was not a prophet anywhere that could tell you what the Lord was saying. God knew that he was going to shut the heavens. That's why he was very meticulous on what he told Malachi to say. Because how many knows most of the time 
the thing you was going the thing you're going to remember is the thing you heard last so he knew they're going to talk about the last one the words that the last one that heard from me said and for 600 years they heard the last prophet say be faithful in your giving Watch God God wants you to honor him in the giving even when you don't feel him and even when you don't hear from him know that the messiah is coming but know that the messenger and the forerunner is coming first. So that's why they left that empty seat. That's why they left that empty seat. Because they thought the forerunner was Elijah. To this day, many still believe it's Elijah. Why? Because Elijah was taken up. He didn't die. He was taken up. And Malachi says, in Malachi chapter 4, one of the very first last verses, not in my notes, one of the very last verses he says in Malachi is he says, Behold, before I send, send the message, so before I send the promise, I will send uh, Elijah. So because of that, they believed the forerunner was Elijah. So on that platform, the empty seat, all the priests and all the highfalutin folks, they all had their suit, their, their seats and adorned and all these jewels and everything. They left this symbolically open seat because they were expecting, always preaching every time they came together about the Messiah, but they knew he couldn't come until somebody sat in that seat. So they, as long as nobody was in that seat, they weren't looking for him. And that's why they immediately went from loving that old Joseph's boy, that good old boy Jesus, man, he's a good kid. I tell you what, you can't get no better kid. They went from that to wanting to kill him in a moment when he sat down in that chair. Because he proclaimed him what he was doing. He wasn't proclaiming himself to be Elijah. He was proclaiming, you don't even realize, you have symbolically and religiously said that you are looking for him, but you have completely missed him. Because I'm not going to bring Elijah back. Because if you read the Bible in the New Testament, you know Elijah is coming back. But he's not coming back until the tribulation period. He's one of the two witnesses. Are y'all hearing me? While they're still looking for him to come, he's coming. But he ain't coming while they thought he was coming. Because when Malachi talked about uh, uh, Elijah, he was talking about the anointing and the mantle that was on Elijah will be on the forerunner. Jesus later on said one day in his ministry, he said, y'all keep looking for Elijah, but I'm going to tell you, Elijah's already come and you missed him. You didn't even see him. Jesus said that. He's been among you and you didn't even know it. He didn't get reincarnated. That's not what he's teaching. Are you hearing me? It's the mantle of the anointing. I love what Rod Parsley says. Pastor Rod Parsley, Dr. Rod Parsley says this. He says, the anointing and the mantle on someone never dies and does not die with them. He says when somebody has a mantle and anointing on them and they die, that mantle must go to someone else. The mantle, the calling, the, the anointing doesn't die with the avenger. The, the avenger? The individual. Thank you. Then, 600 years. How many knows when something may happen in 600 years that you heard is going to happen, you're going to have Most people are going to believe it ain't never going to happen. That's why most people do not want to hear a preacher preach about the rapture now. Because they've heard about it their whole life. Their mama heard about it. Their grandma heard about it. Their great-grandma heard about it. And it ain't happened in 2,000 years. So you know what? I think, I think it ain't going to happen. You know what? That's what the Bible said was going to be exactly like that in the last days. People are going to be completely just... 
Don't even think about it anymore. And that's why it's going to be like a thief in the night. That's why it's going to catch so many people by surprise because nobody's looking for it. 600 years, the forerunner's coming. 600 years, the Messiah's coming. Heavens are brass. Then something happens. Are y'all ready? 36 minutes is what I got. Here we go. Wait a minute. I know what happened. Jesus was born. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you ever get to Gabriel talking to Mary, Gabriel talked to some other people that nobody talks about at Christmas. But it happened in the same season. Luke chapter 1. See, Luke chapter 2 is called the Christmas story. You get up on Christmas morning at my house, before you open a present, you hear somebody read Luke chapter 2. My kids hated me for that. They loved me, but they hated me. They went along with, yeah, okay, this is so awesome, Dad, hurry, I want to open the presents. But Luke chapter 2 knows the Christmas story. I was blessed and honored to be at the tree lighting. Once again, many years I've been able to do that and, uh, at the, for the city of Pinson when they lit the tree this past week. And they, they asked me, read Luke chapter 2. And if you were there, you know this. The council looked at me and said, oh, I love this. She said to this to me. She said, I want you to read it, but I want you to tell these people about Jesus tonight. I said, whoa, wait a minute, what? I said, she said, I want you to pray over us. I want you to speak joy and us pray over us. I said, you give me prayer? You you, you're about a legit prayer? You really That's what I told her. She said, yeah. I said, all right. I said, if anything happens, you and me both know what you just said. That's what I told her. She's like, go do it. And brother, I preached. I preached the gospel up there. I told a man, and folks were shouting. The crowd was shouting. The, the teenage choir behind me was going, go ahead. Watch this. Here we go. Luke chapter 2 is a Christmas story, but wait a minute. You can't get Luke chapter 2 without Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 says this. In the, there was in the days of Herod. Days of Herod was when Jesus was born. The king of Judea, praise, Judah, praise. A certain priest, I love it when God says a certain. You know, anytime you read in scripture where it says a certain, you know this, that is not a top and shadow, that is not a, that is not a parable, that is an individual that existed. When he says a certain woman had an issue of blood, he ain't talking about just some, this is a good priest. No, there was a woman who had an issue of blood. And he's telling her story. There was a certain priest named Zacharias. And you'll understand now why my daughter's name Elizabeth. Because this is so powerful to me. Because the original name of the ministry of Solid Rock Church is called Forerunners Ministries. We were formed under Forerunners Ministries. Because I have always studied John the Baptist. And always believed that God has called me and this ministry to be a John the Baptist type ministry. So our ministry was called Forerunners Ministries. And then we changed it to Solid Rock Church Incorporated. But watch this. The reason my daughter's name is Elizabeth is because she's a girl. Because if she had been a boy, his name was going to be Zachariah. In fact, it was going to be Zachariah Obadiah. I would have had the original Obi, but it didn't happen. Now you got the original. You got the, what do they call the OG Obi. And he's awesome, by the way. The spiritual force is strong with this one. 
So his name was Zacharias. He was of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was, say it loud, Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord. Blameless. But. How many knows that work can change things for the good and that work can change things for the bad? But they had no child. You still with me? Listen, I got 30, 30, well, I said 32, now I got 31. They had no child because Elizabeth was, y'all understand what that word means, right? The womb is dried up. They were both old and advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of the division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside in the hour of incense. In other words, they see the priest go in, and they know he's got the, the, the incense burning, and they stand outside and they're praying for their priest as their priest stands before God. He's not the high priest, but he's one of the chief priests. Now watch this. As he's doing this, unbeknownst to the people outside, inside the temple, the angels of the Lord appeared unto him, saying, standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, which happens every time anybody sees an angel. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Watch this. For your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Can I stop and preach for just two minutes here? Something that hit me like a ton of bricks this week. The first lesson of Christmas is don't stop praying for your miracle. Y'all didn't get it. The first lesson of this whole unveiling of the Messiah is just because it looks impossible, don't stop praying. The doctor said your wife cannot have a baby. The doctor said you too old. You can't make a baby. It's over. It's time for you to accept it. There is no reason for you to even still be praying this. But the first words out of the angel's mouth was, God wants me to tell you that your prayer has an answer. Can I tell you something? What I, what I get that meaning? While they on the outside thought... They knew what he was praying about. They didn't even know what he's praying about. He might have said a prayer for them, and I'm sure he did. But even in that hour, in his moment, while it was just him and God slinging the, uh, the incense everywhere, nobody in there to hear him, he's still saying, God, if you can, give my wife a baby. He was still praying in that moment. Remember what, remember what the angel told da Daniel when he'd been praying for 21 days? Three times a day, he'd been praying. The very first words out of the angel's mouth when he stepped in the window. Before I tell you what's been going on, the Lord said, The day you prayed, I was sent to, with an answer. But I was held up by the prince of Persia. But we called in Michael, another archangel. And he took care of the prince of Persia. And he released me to tell you, your prayers have been answered. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Listen, the prayers of Zechariah was important to God. He could have come right in there and said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, your son's the forerunner of the baby and he's the big show. 
So go home and tell your, tell your wife, she's going to have a son, he's the forerunner, but it's, but, but it's all about the big one that's coming. Her cousin's going to have a baby. He's the, he's the, no, God, God said, we'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to know, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are important to God. I want you to know you might not be the big name. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You might not be on the platform. Maybe some people don't even know what you're struggling with. But God knows what you're struggling with. God said your prayers matter to him. (laughs) Your prayer is heard. He didn't say your old prayer that you stopped praying 20 years ago is heard. He said what I just heard you pray. I got an answer for you. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will take the Nazarite vice, shall not drink wine nor strong drink. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He will also be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Y'all can't handle what I'm about to tell you. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord for their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and in the power of, where's scripture? I don't see it. The power of Elijah. You see that? Very, very important that the angel, the first words that is said to the daddy of John the Baptist is your son will operate in the power and the anointing and the mantle of Elijah. That's why Jesus said he came and you missed him. You discarded him. Now, in the power of Elijah, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Why is that important? Because the very last words of Malachi, go back and read Malachi 4. It says, I will send you Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. He emphatically declares, Zechariah, your son is the fulfillment of Malachi and Isaiah. Merry Christmas. I'm telling you, my job every year is to make you look at Christmas different. Amen. Watch this. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The first people that followed Jesus was the people that followed John. Because John's message was not just a message of repentance. It was a message of telling them who was coming after him. And when John finally revealed that it, who it was that was coming after them, most of the converts of John went to Jesus. Because he had prepared their hearts for Jesus. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. That's what a great preacher does, right? He don't prepare people to follow him. He prepares people for them to follow him. Oh, that, that's tweetable right there. Zechariah was a teacher of the scroll. Elizabeth, his wife, was barren in past age. Now listen to this. The greatest story that's ever been told is the story of Jesus. The greatest is 
Christmas story has been called the greatest story to ever been told. They've wrote songs about it, thousands of songs about it. One of my favorite is a somewhat modern one that our bishop in South Bend has recorded. Such a strange way to save the world. Man couldn't have made this up. But do you understand what barren means? Barren means you cannot bear children. Right? But God specializes in putting babies in a barren womb. Go back and read scripture. Some of the greatest people in all of scripture came from a barren womb. An entire nation and covenant was birthed from the loins and from the, from the egg, if you would say that, coming together with Abraham and Sarah. Samson, the strongest man to ever live, was born of a mother that was barren. Had been declared medically barren. He could not have a child. So if barren means you cannot have a child, how many knows if you're a virgin and you've never been with a man, you may be completely fruitful. But without a man, you can't have a baby. So God chose two women, one young, very young, and one old, very old. Both of them had one thing in common. They both had a womb that could not have a baby. The way they were going to have a baby. One was buried in the sense that the doctors say you shouldn't ever be able to have a child. One was a virgin and being told if you're pregnant, not, it ain't that you shouldn't have a child, you can't have a child. Because it's established by God, they got to be both involved. Are you hearing me? So God, even in the story of Christmas, in the story of even before the birth of Christ, in the story of the conception, are y'all hearing me? Of two babies, one who is God in the flesh, one who is the, pre the preparer of the one that is God in the flesh, both came in conception in impossible, miraculous ways. See, see, some of y'all, I love this. My bishop spoke this in my life this morning too. He said, you tell her this. Some of the people, most of the people in this room, all your life has been told that you couldn't do something and you shouldn't do something. But God said to tell you, it don't matter what they said you couldn't do. It don't matter what they say you shouldn't do. God can take the barren womb of a shouldn't. God can take the barren womb of a couldn't and he can put a baby in it. Somebody shout, I'm pregnant. <laughs> follow the science follow the science follow the science sometimes God does something that's outside of science you know why you know how he can do that make it simple before you get real deep cause he's God it ain't gotta rationally make sense to you if God wants to speak a tree into existence, he can speak a tree into existence. God is God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Y'all got to get to I got to get to this. I got to hurry because I, I got to get I ain't got to my sermon. The Bible says, and your son John shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Can I give you a little nugget? That if you can be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, 
You must be a life. Because God don't feel the Holy Ghost. In, even in angels. Oh. Now, I got to hurry, got to hurry. Now, watch this. This is amazing to me. It's amazing to me. This is the part that blew my mind. Oh, by the way, she immediately gets pregnant. Y'all know how that happens, right? When somebody's given up and they've been told that it can't happen, a lot of times you'll give up on the process. Sharpening my knife a little bit. But he got pregnant. I mean, she got pregnant. She got pregnant. He got pregnant first. He got pregnant with the word. So let me just tell you how this thing went down. Y'all ready? It's gospel according to Larry, but I'm going to tell you how this thing went down. He's got the incense and all this kind of stuff. He's in there praying. He doesn't gave up on the process. He's just still praying. And the angel says, your wife's going to have a baby. And his name is John. He's just. Hand starts doing this. Are you through? Are you through? That's a good word. I'm through. Come out the door. What did the Lord say? We've been out here praying. He said everything's going to work out. In there cooking supper. What's up? What's up, baby? You home early? Ain't got time to tell you. Let's go. I got a word. The angel said, now how do I know that happened? Because in Luke chapter 2, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. This is what hit me this week. Never seen it, never preached it. Luke chapter 2 is when God sends Gabriel to tell Mary she's pregnant. And I don't know if I'm going to have time to read it. If I do, I'll read it so you can see it. But at the end of that message from that Gabriel, the same angel that just talked to Zechariah, Y'all hear me? He says to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth is with child six months pregnant already. So the message, you want to talk about this wasn't planned by God? God started the process of Christmas here on this earth Six months earlier when he spoke to Zechariah. And for six months, Gabriel waited to talk to Mary and Joseph. So over in Nazareth, here's Mary and Joseph. Over on the other side of Judea is Zechariah and Elizabeth. Oh, y'all with me? Oh, one part of the story that I have time to read, I'm going to tell you. Nobody had ever been, nobody's son had ever been named John. John was not a common name in that time. And by the way, nobody named Zechariah ever had a son named John because it was, it was by default that you would take a portion of your father's name. So he was prepared. If he's going to have a son, he was going to be named Zechariah II. You know what happened? The angel, and God knew more than the angel, that he wouldn't be able 
to accept that because he won't name his son Zechariah. So when Zechariah come out, he didn't have, by the way, he didn't be able to tell him, I can't, I can't talk, I, I can't tell you what was said in there. He couldn't tell him because at that moment, the angel under the instruction of God knew that he would not be able to keep this to himself. So he shut his mouth up and for six months, Zechariah couldn't talk. So by the way, that makes an even more interesting conversation when he got home that day. Some of y'all get that at 3 o'clock in the morning. He could not talk to the point that when John was born on the eighth day, just like when Jesus was taken to the temple to be circumcised and be named as the priest is getting ready to circumcise John, he looks and says, what shall the name of the boy be? Shall it be Zechariah? Listen, Elizabeth speaks up and says, no, his name shall be John. And the priest looked and said, what? Call him John. Looked at Zechariah. Zechariah, he goes, mm-hmm. Mm. That's universal for do what the woman said. His name shall be John. And the Bible says Zechariah's mouth was open. This is powerful stuff, y'all. Now watch this. So he tells Mary, your cousin is pregnant. Six months. So the first month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, she didn't have to say much. She was a little unsure. She was, is this really real? Well, then she began to see the sign. Okay, yeah, this is real. So watch what happens, y'all. This is crazy. Verse 23 of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 23. And so it was. As soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. In other words, he ran that day. There it is in Scripture. Now, after those days, that day he ran home, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself for five months. What? Saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days of when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Well, if you've taken away your reproach among men, why are you not out telling everybody you're you're pregnant? For five months, that first month, she didn't hide herself. For five months after that, she realized something that an angel said was going to happen. A miracle that's in me, and I'm not going to let anybody. Take this miracle from me. So for five months, you have a woman who in her entire life has desired to have a child. And something causes her to hide it and not even tell people about their miracle. Can I tell you, sometimes when you're at the the infant stage, if you will, of your miracle, God will tell you, don't you tell everybody about what's going on. Because they will steal the baby before it's born. Huh? Are you hearing me? Sometimes, remember when God told Mary that? The Bible said, but Mary kept those things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. Because everybody's not going to understand your blessing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Everybody's not going to understand what God told you. So you can't run tell everybody what God told you. For five months, it's key that five months she hid herself, first month was the day of conception. You add that together, you get six months. 
Six months at the same time frame that the angel tells Mary, go see your cousin. Okay? You with me? Watch this. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Lazarus to a virgin. In the what month? Sixth month. Put, put that scripture back up. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month. Everybody say sixth month. She hid herself for five months. Here we are. To the sixth month. He begins to say all the things. I'm not going to have time to read it. Blessed among men. We know that. Not belittling the story of Mary. Because, but i got to get to this. He tells her all these things. You shall have a son. His name shall be called Jesus. He shall save this people from, from their sins. And he goes on to speak all these things. Now watch this. And then he gets to verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel. How can this be since I do not know a man? I've not been intimate with a man. How can I be pregnant with a child? It is impossible. Then the angel does something significant. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the house will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, that's a lot to take in for a teenage girl. Can you get amen? First of all, you know. And let me tell you something. Y'all think that she was chosen because she was a virgin. Let me tell you something. Every single 99.9% .9 of the girls in, in that town and in that entire nation were virgins. Because what you don't realize, that you, if you don't study it, you don't know that in those times, and my son weird to you, and it does sound a little weird to me, but this is the way the custom was. When a man and a woman married in the days of Jesus, they literally consummated their marriage in a room that is beside the temple. It had a veil in it. The priest, it just sounds creepy, but this is the way it was, would stand outside and wait while the man and the woman on their wedding night would go in there and have sex. And then when they were through, they would send a messenger, they were through, and they would come in and check. Don't want, I'm just trying to tell you how the covenant works. They would come in and check in the sheets that was below the man and the woman to see if there were blood there. If they did not find blood there, signifying that that woman was a virgin, she would be taken out and stoned. So every girl was a virgin. Not just Mary. But what made Mary a candidate was that Mary's father and mother were from the house of David. The lineage of Judah. But she was also chosen by God. So y'all hearing me? Special. Hollywood. But still just a human being. Hard to process this. How many know sometimes God will allow you to see somebody else's impossible miracle for you to believe for yours? Now she didn't, she didn't need this. She went ahead and said, be it done unto me. She received the mandate from God to carry the Messiah. But watch what God does. This is just like God. The very next verse in verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative or your cousin, has also conceived a son in her old age. I love that word also. In other words, saying, you know Elizabeth is barren. And just like I told you a virgin that you're going to be pregnant, I'm telling you a barren woman and a barren man is with a child now and not just pregnant, she's already six months pregnant. Watch this. For with God nothing will be 
Do you see that? How many of us, we quote this all the time. For with God, nothing would be impossible. But we don't remember to quote that that is a quote from the angel telling Mary about her and Elizabeth. <laughs> Y'all need to read your Bible. That'd help a lot. Then behold, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39, I'm almost through. And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste. Why? In other words, she knew she was six months pregnant. She wanted to be there for her cousin in case something happened. But she also wanted to see this miracle. To a city of Judah. Entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Oh my God, I'm about to preach right here. Greeted Elizabeth said, hey cousin. And as it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, God. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why? Is this granted unto me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Let me tell you something. During those five months, she knew who her son was. And she knew that the Messiah was being birthed and conceived somewhere at that moment. It's amazing to me. Oh my God, I feel the Holy. It's amazing to me that how similar this account is between Elizabeth and Mary as the account between John the Baptist and Jesus. They'd known each other their whole life, but when the moment came upon them, they looked differently. Elizabeth knew his, her younger little teenage cousin. She was there probably when she was born. She knew her mama. Come on, that was her sister. She you knew all about it. But when Mary, who was showing no signs of pregnancy, no sign that she had the mother, just walked in the room, Mary looked different to Elizabeth. Mary said, why? How am I even worthy that the mother of my Savior would even come to see me? I can see Mary going... Elizabeth, it's me. I'm your cousin. It's the same way John the Baptist saw his cousin Jesus like he'd seen him all his life. But one day he looked up. He saw the same cousin he'd seen for 30 years. But he's saying, hey, cousin, what's going on? He said, listen to me, everybody. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When God says it's time, people will see you differently. When God says it's time, the ones that mocked you, that you could never give birth, they're going to be in shock and they're going to ask to hold your baby. The ones that told you you ain't never going to be a mama is one day going to say, can I hold your baby? verse that everybody stops before they get to and I've never heard anybody preach it they may have read through it and never even commented on it Luke chapter 1 verse 56 put it on the screen Luke chapter 1 verse 56 
Let's read it together. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her house. I realized she stayed until John was born. She wasn't going to leave until she saw John come out of the womb of her cousin that the world said was impossible to have a baby. And then I thought to myself, if she was there because she arrived at six months and she left at nine months, why didn't she leave at ten months? Why didn't she leave at eight months? She left at nine months. How long is the normal pregnancy? I thought to myself, could it be that Mary delivered John? If she didn't, she was at least right there. Here's why I think she delivered John. Because Elizabeth knew at that, at that moment a three-month-old baby Messiah that the word that became flesh was inside her cousin. Who better to lay their hands first on my baby than the mama <laughs> who's caring for and taking care of the reason my son even exists. Can I tell you something that hit me this morning? The reason Jesus stood before John and said, listen, it's got to happen like this is because John didn't realize Jesus had already touched John. My God, Jesus had already ordained John. Jesus had already anointed John because the Holy Ghost that was in Jesus was flowing through Mary because when Mary walked in the room, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost? Because the baby that was inside of her was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost came out of the womb. Oh my God. It's the only time a baby ever fed the mama. You didn't hear what I said? It's the only time in the history of creation that a baby through an umbilical cord, through a contact, through a connection, fed the mama. The angel said, and the son shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. But Elizabeth, Receive the benefits of carrying the baby. Sometimes your role may be to birth the miracle. But sometimes your role may be to take care of and care for the ones that's birthed in the miracle. And by proxy of you being in the presence of the miracle when you choose to care for someone else's miracle God will give you that same miracle so I just start seeing this image of this virgin who at that point had a three month old word became flesh in them baby Jesus
seeing John the Baptist that was the prophesied forerunner coming. I start seeing this. The blood and all the things that was on that baby. I can see Mary pulling John up, looking into the eyes of John, just as she's about to give her to Elizabeth. And this is, this is me. This is all me. This ain't nowhere in Scripture. This is me. This is what I could just believe. Because when I put two and two together, I know she was there. So you're going to be the one that's going to tell the world about my son. If she's highly favored and blessed among women, don't you know? And if John came out full of the Holy Ghost, and by the way, let me tell you something. Don't, 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 don't confuse the Holy Ghost in the womb and the Holy Ghost in Elizabeth with the Holy Ghost of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost came on and baptized people in the Old Testament as well, but it came on the prophet. So the Holy Ghost that was says filled with the Holy Ghost of mother's womb is that God was telling us that he didn't become a prophet when he came out into the world. He was conceived a prophet. So the Holy Ghost that would be on him his whole life, I went ahead and put on him in the, in the womb. And because Mary was connected, she got it too. So, I can see Elizabeth looking at her cousin going, everything's good. Thank you for being here for me. I'll raise him. Be who we both know he is. Now you go back home and you get, get ready to give birth to your son. We got a lot of life between our kids coming. You take care of yourself and you get home to your husband. And then the story that we know picks up. At some point, we don't know when. John was weaned. He had to be a special boy just like Jesus. He's a prophet. Come into this world a prophet. At some point, he looks at his mom and his daddy and he says, you have trained me. You have reminded me. And even the Holy Spirit himself, God our Father, is telling me, I must be who he's called me to be. Can you imagine how it felt to a man and a woman? Who knows how old they were? They might have already been dead because they were old when they had him. Probably was dead. He's probably by himself. And that might have been the reason it happened. But at some point, John left everything and went by himself and lived in the desert. For years and years and years, the Holy Spirit prepared him for the moment. He came out and began to preach under the anointing. Now, I want to show you something as I close. Because this is it for Christmas until next year. God's word is awesome. It says, John preached, repent. This is to the words, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He sees his cousin at age 30. They were both at age 30. One was six months older than the other. But they were both 30 or 31. 30 is when you had the right to become a priest. 
So he looks up and he sees his cousin at age 30. Behold the Lamb of God. Watch this. That doesn't cover the sins of the, of the world. That takes away the sins of the world. Completely different. He comes down the water and he looks at his cousin that he's known his whole life. And he's like, man, listen. Just like what happened with Elizabeth and Mary. Who am I that the mother of my Savior would visit me? The same anointing, the humbleness, the humility comes on the, the man of the hour. No one was greater than John the Baptist at that moment. No one. In front of all of his followers, they were probably shocked when he was saying, no, 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 no. I need you to baptize me. There's no way I can baptize you, cousin. You're him. You're the reason I exist. Jesus says, no, 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 son. Because it's got to happen. This is all a part of the plan. He baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up. When he comes up, a voice out of heaven says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. These are messianic, messianic proclamations from Jehovah God. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes upon him. He was already in him because he is God. Becomes on his flesh, lights upon him like a, uh, anoints him. He comes up out of the water. Leaves his cousin behind. Can you imagine John watching him walk away? Can you imagine all of John's followers going, what just happened? He disappears at the top of the mountain. And just like John, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. By himself, he goes into the wilderness. And he fights the devil face to face. And the third time when he said, get out of here. Bible says he comes down off the mountain preaching with boldness repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the same mantle that was on John the Baptist transferred to Jesus that's why he sat down in the chair he didn't need John to sit down in the chair John had done what he was called to do because if John would have sat down in the chair all of Israel would have followed John Jesus said, I'm the anointing of Elijah, I'm the Messiah, I'm all of it. Everything any of them ever said about any of them, I am. And what did John the Baptist say? His whole life was pointing to this moment. And it finally came to this moment. He's in prison, he's going to be beheaded the next day. And this helps me, y'all, this helps me. Jesus said there's no greater human being that's ever walked this planet than John the Baptist except for the Messiah. That's what he said about his cousin. And here's the greatest man that's ever walked this planet except for Jesus. In prison, the night before he's going to be beheaded, his followers come to him. They still love him. Are you okay, sir? Are you okay? He said, I'm good. It's in your Bible. He says, can you just do me one favor? Before I die, I need to know. Can you go back and ask him these words? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Because I'm telling you right now, all your life you can believe you heard from God, but the enemy will so mess with you that at the last moment, right before you get your miracle, you'll begin to doubt your entire life. Am I preaching to anybody? Is he the one or should we look for another? They ran back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, John's, John, this is last night. John said, are you the one or should we look for another? He didn't answer him. He said, you go back and tell John, the blinded eyes are open. 
You go tell them the deaf are hearing. You go tell them the dead are being raised. Because he knew John didn't need to hear. Yeah, I'm the one. God knew, God knew that John knew what the Messiah would do. So he said, don't go back and tell them I'm the Messiah. Go back and tell them what the Messiah is doing. He's not coming. He's not just here. He's already doing everything. And John said, I must decrease and he must increase. My purpose is done. Get up on your feet right now and praise the Lord. Because here's the reality. As great as John the Baptist was, it pales in comparison to the anointing, the mandate, and the access to God that you have. You have gifts of the Spirit that John didn't have. You don't have to be a prophet for the Holy Ghost to come on you and come off of you. If you are breathing and you have accepted Jesus as your Messiah, the Holy Ghost won't just come on you and come off of you like he did Isaiah. He will come in you. He will come on you. He will consume you. He will forgive you. And he will endue you with power. That's the message of Christmas. God is with us. And he brought his kingdom with him. It's embarrassing to see the state of some Pentecostal people right now. The fear that has gripped their heart. If John the Baptist could stand here right now, all that he did, he would look at you and go, Man, what is wrong with you? I I did not have what you have. I breathed my last breath in the old covenant. You breathed your first in the new. Why are you carrying sin and judgment and condemnation? How about this? Give Jesus a gift this week. Give him a, a gift today. The only thing you can actually give him Give him you. Bow your heads. Father God, on this Sunday morning, I know there are people in here right now that are unsure of their relationship with you. They're unsure of who they are in God. Today, I know, because I've been there, there is a moment of forgiveness and peace that comes only through repentance. Or you can walk out of here today and walk into Christmas week absolutely confident that your heart is right with God and that you will see the Lord face to face. But it comes through repentance. While every head is bowed, I'm going to simply say this. If that's you, I'm not calling you forward. I'm not even going to call you to pray out loud. I'm going to pray a prayer, but right there where you're at, make this real and intimate with God. Give him your life. This is how you pray that prayer. Something along the line of this in your own words. Father God, I acknowledge that you sent your son. You, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. The miracle of Christmas. He's given me the access to the miracle of salvation. Greater miracles than even the birth of Christ is the miracle that somebody like me could be saved.
If that's you, you've never been saved, or maybe you've what we call backslidden, you've slid away in your relationship with God, you want to rededicate your life with God. Right there where you're at, you ain't got to scream it loud. Pray this prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. All of my sins. I surrender. I confess you and you alone as my Savior and the only Savior, the Messiah. I believe you lived, you came, you lived, you died, and you came back from the dead. All for me. So I leave here today giving you my Christmas gift. I give you me and all that comes with me. All that I've done. All that I've said. I just give you me. And I leave with peace knowing I'm forgiven. You can look up at me and I want to tell you, I want to close you, I want to send you out on Christmas week with this and I hope I see you Christmas Eve. I want to send you out with this. Remember what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's for you. From Sandy and I, our children, our family, from Solid Rock Church and all the leaders, if we don't get to see you New Christmas Eve, we want to tell you that we hope that you have the greatest Christmas ever. We love you from the bottom of our heart. And it ain't just words. You are family to us. God bless you.